there's literally nowhere to go. Coming at you live from my bedroom. Welcome to Live from My Bedroom. My name is Jane, and today I'm joined by my guest, Trish. So here's the big question. What is the craziest thing that you've ever done or has ever happened to you? Wow, okay. That is so hard because I feel like a lot of my crazy stuff was when I was like a kid, was when I was like a teenager. Like I feel like so much of that is related to my camp experiences. I think that one of the craziest things I ever did was go back to camp and leave. Um, that was a terrifying experience. I was so scared to do it. Um, even though I was doing it with like a group of kids that were awesome and even though I was doing it with my co-staff that I've known since I was like I think I've known Caroline since we were like 11 or 12 years old we weren't like as we were gonna do long trips together and you know all this stuff too we like joked around that we were like getting our chance to go on Quetico together for the first time in like six years like we waited an extra six years to do Quetico with each other it was like the joke but I was terrified to do it because I always associated that with like being an adult and like if you're a long trip staff then you like have to be like the strongest like coolest person on the whole planet because that's i hero worship my long trip staff <laughs> that doing it for real for me as the leader was like oh god like i am not cut out for this this is a fluke that i'm going on it this is like not something that i'm ready for or prepared for like 36 days yeah. sure these children don't die like getting this phone Um, across like the longest portage being like 14 kilometers other portages like you know just like just so much stuff like hard skills soft skills dealing with like seven campers that I'd never taken out the motions just like it was a terrifying prospect to do it and like I felt like getting on the bus like to drive out the first day I remember thinking to myself like this is crazy like I shouldn't I, I I kept on waiting for somebody else to tell me to do something like I kept on waiting for like the real staff to get on the bus and be like this is what you have to be doing right now like you need to tell the kids to do x y and z and then turn to the kids and be like you need to do x y yeah. and z um but yeah that's like one of them I'm trying how to much think. training did you have for that minimal <laughs> I don't want to sound like we didn't do because obviously like yeah. taking out trips beforehand as a staff member is like the type of preparation that you need like you can't everybody always jokes around especially after like coming off of trip when you're just so docked like you're so strong because you've been doing this like insane physical task for however many days people are like I don't know yeah. how to like, do this and get this strong and this like fit in the city because you literally can't train for canoe trip like you can't physically do it until you're doing it and that's the physical part and then the like mental part of it is difficult because that is as a staff member requires like knowing what to do in case of an emergency like knowing how to deal with campers medical needs if they have been listed knowing how to be the best staff ever possible through like the training you've received of like you know soft skills and like dealing with I don't know, dealing with like any issue under the sun, kind of like just getting like a general like smackdown of like, what does it look like to be like, a therapist for like seven people or eight people for like this long. And then, yeah. you know, first aid, swimming certifications, like 
the preparation is there. And so I guess maybe it's not as minimal as I would expect it to be. I, I guess it's not as minimal as I would have made it out to be, but it is like, yeah. it, it feels like nothing can prepare you for it because it's such like a behemoth of a task to like get from one place to the other in like 36 days. I can't even imagine because I struggled with a three-day canoe trip this year. So, <laughs> so thank God I would be stuck okay. for 50. I yeah. think I like went to camp and led trips that were longer than that and I still couldn't do it on my own. Um, what was the most unexpected thing that came out of that trip? Was like there, there like a day that was, that seemed super momentous and then like was the easiest thing you've ever done? Did your kids do something like absolutely wild that you were like, what the actual fuck? Um, it's so funny that you talk these about children anything. Like, it's so funny that you talk about something like being momentous or like being like a kind of like child, like you think it's going to be a challenge that's really not. Because so part of the route that Quetico goes on is in the Boundary Waters yeah. Canoe Area Wilderness, which is like the BWCAW, which is between, it's all this series of lakes between the border of Ontario and Minnesota and in the Boundary Waters is this hike called Rose Mountain like the Rose Mountain hike and it's on this trail that's like got another name but I don't remember it and it's just like a, a viewpoint that's really spectacularly beautiful that you can see quite a lot from like this is a really good hike um yeah when I remembered it as a kid and I don't know if it was just because we were doing it in the heat of the day or maybe there was just more people or maybe I was just exceptionally tired that day I remember the hike taking like four hours, like round trip there and back, like four oh hours. And I yeah. was like, I was like talking to Caroline about it. I was like, we need to make sure that we get the kids up early so that way we can get to Rose Mountain. Like we need to figure this out. And Caroline was like, I don't understand. Cause Caroline didn't end up going on Quartico with campers. She was like, I don't understand how this, this port, this hike can take four hours. Like it's, it's all, it's like, three kilometers like on the and we're not carrying anything like on the map it, it really yeah. doesn't seem like it's all that long and I was like no like it's it's straight uphill it's so hard like it's really like it's there's so many like false ends and stuff like we just need to keep we just need to go and then we started on the hike and the kids I freaked them the hell out about how long it was going to take and I was like we need to go and we started walking I, again, I don't know if it was just because when we were doing it, I was like tired or it was hot or maybe the path wasn't as clear that year as it has been, as it was then, whatever. It maybe took us half an hour. It maybe took us half an hour to get from where we were to Rose Mountain on the exact same trail that I did as a kid. Um, oh my God. <laughs> we had such a good time. The kids were like having a ball. We were taking so many photos. It was like just us, like, we got to just hang out and like, and just enjoy like being, uh, some of my best pictures of the trip like came out of it. And yeah. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> and I think that that was one of those moments on the trip where I was like, my own anxiety is making me freak out or like see ghosts where there are no ghosts, you know? Like if I looked at the map and saw that it was like three kilometers, even if that three kilometers yeah. was straight uphill, it's three kilometers, it wouldn't take that long. You know, with a group yeah. of if nine people moving together. But because I had convinced myself that the experience that I had had to have taken that long, and that's the only way that could experience could have happened, 
I was like, this is how it's going to go again. And that was like, one, just mortifying because Caroline was like, I cannot believe you freaked this much out over or whatever. Like it must have just been super hot on the day that you were doing it. So it felt like it was taking way longer and like you didn't see the mop. Also, your kids. I and find, I was like, it, like, I used to think things were so long at that. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. Like, oh my God. Like, I just, That's so yeah. Funny. Well, it's almost a blessing because then when you guys got more time at the viewpoint issue than you had planned and you weren't yeah. like, you know, it wasn't like a kid was left behind and then you took six hours you really didn't like, Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, thank God. Like, I've so never funny. had, my experiences on trip have never been like as such that anything ever really dangerous happened which like yeah thank god like I've never had to evac a kid off of the trip I've never had to evac myself I've never gotten seriously injured like I've never you know gotten lost anywhere like all of the trips that I've taken out whether because of just pure luck or my own skill set is I've always been pretty good at it but like that was just one of those moments where I was like, okay, like I need to, I need to chill and just trust myself and like trust the, trust the process a little bit more. Um, Did it change the the course of the trip then after that moment? Were you more chill? Or you it's also chill? so funny because Rose Mountain happens on like day 33 or 30, no, day 31 or 32 of everybody's trip. Okay. Like it's, it's, it's while you're on the way out. Like it's while you're on the way to finish yeah. the trip. So then you're saying, I'm thinking of myself like the last four days of the trip, which I was like, I, which I, we'd started off in like a region of Quetico that I had like not really done a lot of tripping in to begin with. Um, and like, so a lot of it felt different from my camper Quetico, which was great. That was exactly what I wanted coming out of it. Just like see other places and like make new memories, even in a place that I like had really fond memories of to begin with. But on the last four days of the trip, I just kept thinking to myself, like, I wonder what else I didn't know about the process of my first trip and like what my campers yeah. if they ever take out of Quetico are gonna think looking back on this one in terms of choices that we made places that we went things that we did that they're gonna remember really distinctly in one way but that maybe wouldn't have been because I'm sure that if I had asked my staff about how long that hike took us they probably would have said like oh probably like an hour because it was very hot that day but I, yeah. I had no idea. So I wonder what like they're gonna think when they like end up taking out their own trip. I've never been like a super adventurous person. Like I was like always scared of heights as a kid. So then like I never felt comfortable mm-hmm. like doing like zip lining stuff or like rock climbing stuff. Um, until yeah. I got older and like did like bouldering and stuff. But even that's not like high. That's like at the absolute max. Like what, like fifteen feet off the ground? That's not that. That's not that bad. Um, but yeah, like. I don't think I think that I had like a very like because even canoe tripping even like camp canoe tripping well like again very challenging and physically draining and mentally draining for the most part is like a very controlled amount of chaos there are some things that you can't control but so much of it you can um which is like find it so funny like looking back on it like being like that's like so crazy whatever but I was like in a very protective environment for or as, as protective Supervised as like, a trip could be um yeah protective as I could make it that like freaked me out <laughs> I love that well I mean you just moved to New York what's like the craziest thing you've witnessed I that's like it's also like it's shit you like over here too like I yeah. One of my friends down there, Abby, 
um, this is like a wild moment. She was like walking down the street and she heard all this yelling at this intersection and she got to the intersection and there were two cars that had like hit each other and there was people on the street outside of the cars hitting each other with golf clubs. What? Like a full like physical altercation in the middle of the street. This is in and people were just like walking past. Like people did not care, like at all. So weird. Was that in Manhattan? Like on the that island? Was or was that... Yeah. It was so it was so weird. And I was like, so that strange. Was... I don't know. Like it, and then like you'll just like people are always like dressed in costume places and you're like, where are you going? Like there's the dog fashion is insane. Like I just walked past like a couple of days ago. I was like walking near by the Hudson, like on like the Chelsea like water walk, like by the piers. And there was just a yeah, like the high line, very like what? The high line, like the Chelsea High Line. No, 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 no like, like, like um the one that's like actually right beside the water. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like we I was walking down there. And there was just a woman sitting with like four Alaskan Malmuth, like these four gigantic dogs, like Game of Thrones shit. I was like, what the, like, what is, how do you acquire this many dogs in New York? Where do you live? That's not like 500 square feet at all <laughs> for this many dogs to be like comfortably living yeah. in Manhattan. Like what the hell? Um, yeah, just like, I don't know, like it's so, it's like one of those things too where you only like you can you cannot notice it because there's so much like input like you can look around and there's like obviously crazy things happening but it's like a where's waldo of crazy things happening because there's bro every like completely <laughs> nuts person doing something or something crazy happening yeah there's so many other people that are just like going about their day not paying any attention not giving a fuck like they are just like okay like whatever like i'm just you know just keep pushing like i have to get to my job like i'm gonna be on this subway regardless <laughs> um the mariachi bands on the subway that's always a fun time anybody doing any type of like dancing on the subway that's always a fun time um yeah but yeah like that it's just it's a it's it's a visually like straining place to live because there's just so much to to look at even if you're on like a completely like empty street you can like look around and be like oh what's what is this storefront what is it what are they selling like what is this house like where do who what people live here like those kinds of questions or at least for me that's those are the kinds of questions that I ask yeah I'm sure it's like hyper stimulating from all the the times I've been there I remember yeah just con you know constantly stuff going on have you had any yeah. celebrity sightings I live in the same building as John Mulaney. I'm like positive That's I live sick. in the same building as John Mulaney. Um, because I've seen him in the building. Uh, which I didn't know going into it at all. And I have not talked to him at all. Because I have... <laughs> I had this like moment where I was like, Oh, that'd be sweet if I like got a photo with him. And then I was like, But I live in the same building as him. I don't want to make him feel like he should be on while he's like getting his mail you know like he's just a day you could become his friend and then get like a cool like wine night photo with him listen the idea of becoming <laughs> friends with john mulaney to get to pete davidson to eventually become his second wife has passed through my mind i'm not gonna lie to you however Wait, has pete I davidson already been married i just think that i'm gonna be a second wife 
Okay, okay, sorry. I just had to clarify, I wasn't sure. Um, but like, yeah, like he, like I, like he lives in my building, which is like pretty funny. Um, but I like, and I like have seen his dog, which is like, that's the most exciting thing. Cause he's like talked about his dog and his stand up. And I'm like, oh my God, it's Petunia. Yeah. Like she's in the elevator with me. Like, hello, how are you? Like, you're so famous. Do you even know you're famous? No, because you're a French bulldog. that's just like kicking around. Um, but yeah, like I, other than that, like I, short of just like guest speakers that will like zoom into class. Like we had um, yeah. Jones, the editor in chief of Vanity Fair come and speak to our class which was a fantastic experience. Like she was so cool um, and just like a wonderful person to speak to. But then like, you know, we're talking wow. about like celebrities in their own right, in our own, in like guest yeah. speakers and class and stuff too. So that was, that's always super interesting. Um, but yeah, the biggest one is Mulaney. I tell, I tell most people that I live in the same building as John Mulaney just because I'm like, <laughs> I was a complete fluke too. I had no idea. On the same not just like similar like kind of similar but not really about like craziest thing i mm-hmm. have become like so disillusioned with social media like completely i hate it almost to the point where i like have thought about like deleting like my main instagram in the past little bit i deleted my twitter i deleted tiktok off my phone which like while very difficult was like definitely good for me because i like ruined my brain i actually like when you asked me to do this podcast in the middle of the night was like talking to myself and about like, <laughs> that's what I was doing. Now I live alone. So I've gotten like completely fucking insane. Yeah. But I like, I don't know if you will be able to hear this, but like I recorded this. It is currently 1.40 and in the middle of finals week and I can't sleep. And I think I'm recording this <laughs> probably because I don't know. It's maybe it's because I'm going to be talking to Jane in the next couple of weeks, and this might be something interesting to talk about. But I'm just so fucking tired of social media, and I want to delete my Facebook, and I don't even want to have a main Instagram anymore, and I don't want to be a big TikTok, and it's just all so frustrating because I feel like so much of my energy has been devoted in some small way to the social media that I've associated myself with um, for most of my teenage years. And like, I just don't want to have connections be based on that anymore. There's a really good piece in the cut about it. Bring this up to Jane later. <laughs> okay, I love that like you half asleep. You're like, I need to talk to like, Jane about this. Because I just like hit this point. I don't even remember how I like got to it. I remember election day i was like 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 november 3rd like not actual election day like four days later like election day on paper which is november 3rd and i was so panicked like my anxiety just took me to like such a skyrocketing place because i was like holy shit new york's gonna explode if he wins again like this is not gonna be okay like Mm -hmm. i'm just so freaked out like i'm so panicked whatever and i was like i need to delete like twitter off of my phone because I'll just doom scroll if like everything seems like it's going totally sideways and so I did and then I was like okay like I need to get my my screen time also was like insane from just like having TikTok and like all that stuff too that I was like I need to just get this off my phone like I should just stop looking at it so I set like timers like the you know like the 
like the limits for yourself like on your phone I set those for myself and like Alexa my friend like made the password so I like couldn't access it for any longer I put my phone in grayscale for a while like for like almost like I think for like a month and a bit I put my phone in grayscale because I just was trying to get my like wean myself off of like using it and seeing it um and I like started going through all of my Facebook friends and I was like why do I have this many Facebook friends I had like almost 900 and I weaned it down to like just over 400 um, because I was like, I can't have this. Like, I was like, why I, Why do I want it? Became, I don't know what, I literally don't know what started it. I just have started and maybe it's call it growing up, call it like moving to a different city, call it like a, a need for professionalism, like whatever um, in my own life. I just straight up was like, why do I want to see this many people? Why do I want this many people to see me? Did you have an answer to it? Like, did you figure out why you might have cared in the past? I think that it became, I think that it was also, like, the piece in the cut that I will send to you um, was about quarantine has affected people's relationships with social media to view it as, like, a very shallow place because people have either, like, they it connected it back to, like, the BLM movement at the beginning of, quarantine and how people were like it seemed as though people shared information just to be seen sharing information you know like those like pretty infographics that people would repost didn't seem to actually come from a place of wanting to advocate for um equality or draw attention to an issue it seemed to come from a very like shallow place of like well i don't want to be seen as somebody that's not doing this because the people that aren't doing this are bad from that I think it also moved into being who for lack of a better word was like a hypocrite about COVID like was saying like stay home stay home like and whether that be like influencers or like other big people that I knew that yeah. were seemingly taking it seriously and then people that and then just not like just posting yeah. about oh staying home and like doing all this stuff and then just not actually following COVID restriction guidelines like not keeping your circle down to 10 people like not not like going out like going to house parties like whatever that it was like I think that it's become a piece this is what the piece in the cut talks about too like that in that experience is not individual like that was for every one of like my people that I knew that weren't following COVID restrictions there was somebody else whose friends halfway across the world like weren't following COVID restrictions and they were having the same feeling of like I don't yeah. like social media is such a, a shallow echo chamber like void that like why do I want to dedicate my time to it and like the question of why that I kind of came up with was like, we, and like, this has been said, there's been a million pieces written on it about how like we were the first generation to like grow up with Instagram. We've seen every update of the app since like 2011. Um, We've seen it become an absolute like monolith in terms of the control that it has. And you know, like, like Zuckerberg's control, like over like Facebook and like Instagram and WhatsApp and like all that. Um, we've seen it and grown up with it and associated ourselves with it for so long. I've had my Instagram handle since I was like, I don't know, like 14, like 13, like the beginning of high school, the end of middle school that like, of course I was going to start associating myself worth to it. Of course I was going to start comparing myself to people that I didn't know or that I did know, um, like what their feed looked like in comparison to mine like what they were doing in comparison to mine like what the 
you know, what my body looked like in comparison to theirs. Like, it's a really shallow place to live and exist in. Um, and it's unfortunate that I think I and so many other people like associated themselves and their childhood and their like teenagerhood with like living online. But the the other part of the why became because I lived online for so long, do I act and like still live online for like a good portion of people and like for myself too. Why do I want everybody to see it? You know, I've been with like the new algorithm that they've inputted in the feed. I'm not seeing my friend's photos. I'm seeing businesses' photos. I'm seeing an influencer's photos because like that's who's making the app money. And because it's become so commercialized, I feel like it's lost that personable value that it it kind of started with of, of why we joined yeah. the app. And so all those reasons why like why you post, why you want to share a photo, they've kind of just disappeared with the fact that it's now impossible to you know post something and have all your close followers see it because if you're following 15 influencers and seven stores and three big news outlets you're going to see all of that stuff that posts every day all the time before you're going to see like your best friend's new puppy that she posted on her feed so I think by then voluntarily taking those things off and only having the things that you truly truly care about you're enabling yourself to get back that connection yeah like that's that's what it is that is honestly what it is is that obviously the way that we have used instagram up until this point has made it that that's what the app can be because people are attracted to the influencers people are attracted to the like and and that's not that bad like honestly it's not that bad to like want to follow like Gigi Hadid or something like whatever do whatever you want like whatever you want to view you can view but it also means that it's the algorithm has learned that like it doesn't matter what like Joe Schmo is posting to Joe Schmo's friends it matters like what Joe Schmo can buy which is also like we can talk about the Instagram update for like you know eons about how stupid it is and yeah. how it's like so commercialized and terrible about like the fucking like like shopping within the app like no I don't know who's done that Oh, it's so weird. And I also find that the pandemic taken away the value of influencers because there's literally nowhere to go. So when they do like, oh, here's my like Princess Polly haul or my Aritzia haul and here's like seven trousers that I would wear to work and like this party dress. I'm like, I literally don't care because right now I'm not expecting to like go outside to an event for at least another six months. I'm not buying things that are going to make me look like a high fashion it girl. And I find that they're like, here's like 16 outfits. Like I wear something every day. I'm like, this just feels like so much waste. This feels like such a waste of prospect because yeah, they're not wearing it either. Like they're going to take a couple of pictures in it. Then they're going to put it in their closet and it's not going to get used. And it just feels like so much waste of like clothing. And I feel like that's also like one huge thing that I've taken from both like the pandemic and from hating Instagram more and more as they like bye 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 I'm like this is so much environmental waste that no one needs I don't know what it is I don't know if it's a trend towards minimalism that our entire generation is going through right now because we're in quarantine and the essentials truly are like the essentials it's like do I have like comfy clothes that I can like exist in do and and food on mm-hmm. my table and things to entertain myself with and w- means of connection and that's like kind of it in terms of like what everybody actually like needs. And then the added on stuff 
doesn't feel good anymore. Like social media only feels good if it's within people that you actually want to see because that's been narrowed down. It's like, that's the interesting part to me too, is that I feel like it's almost like, I've never been like an agoraphobic person. I've never had an issue like in crowds and I still don't. Like I can get on a yeah. subway. I, I don't I don't think I'll have a, talk to me in a year, but like, I don't think I'll have an issue when like I'm getting on a crowded subway train about being freaked out after getting vaccinated and after the vaccine has like been spread to more people and like, you know, so on and so forth. Like, I don't think I'm going to be like a scared person when it comes to that kind of stuff. But what I have realized is this like, I don't know if it's like a, a knee jerk reaction to like the fact that my social bubble really in New York, it was like actually 10 people of like people yeah. that I would see maskless outside of like class or that's pretty much it. Like it's like outside of class or like outside of my apartment that like my social circle I feel is like very small and like I want I like it like I like having that reflected and that like I have people that know me and that love me that I want to check in on and like be cool with and, like be, you know like see more and hear about yeah. and check in on and make sure that they're doing okay and I don't need the excess do you feel like you're you're thinking clearer do you feel like you're happier yeah like I feel like my brain capacity has just like shot up again like I'm reading again like I don't want to sound like because because that was the other thing too is that if you told me in like I don't know like May or June about the disillusionment that I have with this with with like social media and like life on my phone or whatever I'd be like that is the most pretentious bullshit like that is the most ridiculous shit I've ever heard like it's not that deep and maybe it isn't like maybe it's really not maybe it's just that I've like hit a point in my life and in two months three months from now I'll be okay I'll think to myself okay I'm gonna re-download these apps again and I'll leave space for that to happen as well but like I'm reading more, I'm staying off my phone more. When I'm on my phone, it's usually that I'm like talking to people and reaching out to actually like check in on people and hear from them and see what they're doing with their lives and like having deeper conversations with them as a means of like not only entertainment for myself because I like don't have like TikTok or Twitter to like just endlessly scroll through, um, but yeah, also because uh, I'm like remembering how good it feels to talk to people. So one thing I don't know if many people know about you, but you are a huge film photographer. So how do you think your photography has changed since you started working with film? So it's so funny you asked that question because also let me go grab it. So we, I took a digital media course this semester and yeah. in it we learned how to do like photojournalism stuff with a DSLR. And I remembered that like randomly, my family like has a DSLR <laughs> that I just, awesome. like, never used or like only used like really sparsely as a teenager. And I have always yeah. been like pretty interested in photography in general. Um, I was interested in even before I got a film camera, like even before I started taking disposables, like it was always just something that I, um, which was like a precursor to me, like getting a film camera was I was just like buying disposables like every other month (laughs) for like all the third year and all the fourth year and I was like this is terrible for the environment and like frankly stupid (laughs) like I didn't get a film camera um yeah but I like started learn I like learned how to do photojournalism stuff like in this class and then just started taking pictures on my like a DSLR of New York and like of my life and stuff and it just made it feel I maybe just disconnecting it entirely from my phone with yeah. a film camera or with a DSLR 
has made me feel like so much better about taking pictures just for the sake of like taking pictures of being like I love this moment that I'm in I want to take a photo of it I think that like the gradual disillusionment with social media that like I've had that other people have obviously like that's been reflected in other people's things as well has been that like it's just like just take the pressure off of it like we're all just trying to get through the get through the year get through the month like do as best as we can like keep in touch with the people that we can't see right now like be with our family or be with our friends that like who gives a fuck if you don't want to like post on social media or if like the posts you make on social media aren't perfect who cares if like the photos that you're taking like are only make sense to you are like aren't meant to be shared like it doesn't have to be like you can just be yourself without a camera or without the pressure of something else behind you we'll see it because so you're doing digital magazine journalism yeah yeah so have you found that digital side of it or the magazine side of it have they like pushed social media have you learned more about it has it given you any insight into what we consume as audiences or do you find that you've been able to separate the two as a user and as like a professional I guess sense has that also changed maybe like your reliance on it or how you view it or your your view for the future that's a good question because I think that some of the guest speakers that we've had in a conversation with people in class it's very like 50 50 as to whether or not people are like literally fuck social media it's the it's the devil (laughs) like I hate it like I wish we didn't have it you know whatever and then there's people that are like no it could be such a useful tool for like networking and like getting inspired by things and like knowing what's out there and like being an informed citizen um and i think both are true like i think both are equally true about like what you tune into and what you see being a reflection of what you then like want to work with um viewpoints you have things you're aware of like of course that makes perfect sense to me however um i think it, it, it is difficult to separate it from being a user and then for lack of a better word somebody that wants to like be a creator of it because it also it's one of those things where you won't know what's out there if you don't have it um you won't know what publications are doing if you don't have it because it's important to be on the pulse of it and diversify skill set in order to like be a one like a good candidate to continue working in today's day and age like I don't think you could walk into a publication as like an editorial intern now and be like I I don't know what like TikTok or Facebook or like not Facebook Facebook's like a millennial more of a millennial site but like TikTok or Twitter or whatever like I don't know what what's happening on those apps or like how to like keep up with them because that's part of the reason people get hired to do things because they have an awareness of the social media trends and, and things happening in order to bring them into workspaces where maybe it's older people that are not as on the pulse of that stuff um, as a way to, you know, just be beneficial to the team in terms of knowing that and bringing to that, like bringing that as like a 22 year old or a 21 year old or whatever. Um, yeah. Like, yeah, it's, it's really odd. It's an odd balance. I don't know. I don't know. Like I would have to think about whether or not my like program was part of the reason that I was like, I'm, starting to pull away from like having a social media presence um again like it could just be a want for professionalism in order to be like I only want my name associated with the things that I release and the work that I create instead of it being associated with an Instagram account that should just be for my friends and family um or a Twitter account like 
you know, it's not that I think yeah. that I've said anything necessarily super inflammatory. I've had these social media accounts for a pretty long time, but I've never like, you know, done anything too crazy on them in terms of like, what I've shared or what I've post- posted. But, yeah. you know, I think it might just be that I want that separation between like my life and my, you know. Yeah, because that's something I always struggle with. So all four of my university internships that I did over the summers were all kind of in communications, editorial work, journalism. And mm-hmm. I, social media was my least favorite part of every single one of those jobs. Um, and I think part of it is because the personal side of social media, like the personal use of it, hating going on, feeling that pressure to get likes, having that then added to your professional work and the caliber that you can of work that you bring. It was normally like I could do it and it was successful. Like I just don't, I just don't love like having to make my day job this and then like also having to then upkeep a personal side of it. And then that's something that I always like think about going into wanting to go into journalism as well. Is I I don't want to. <laughs> Yeah. constantly think about like social and like keeping up with the trends there and I just want it to be like a I don't know I just don't want it to have that same like amassing pressure as it does like in your personal life and I feel like maybe the more that you work on it and the more that you understand it um that pressure doesn't exist because it's like a business and you're you're looking at it through more of like a marketing lens and perhaps like in journalism it's social journalism isn't as like popular I guess as like a a mandate of a company or a publication but if you post good content people like if you if you if your magazine or your store or whatever if you have good things to offer someone yeah. your instagram will be successful so yeah. it doesn't matter what your strategy is because you have yeah. to have a good end product to keep people coming back and i feel like that's like the biggest misconception of like marketing on instagram and then it kind of is like weirdly translate like if, if you are a good person and like you know if, if, if people like you those are the ones that are going to keep liking your posts and visiting you and whatever and that's like the meaningfulness and yeah. I guess like you could also then take that approach of being like you know you're only posting stuff that you know that is going to have like a high ROI so it's just like a, such a weird marketplace for both like brands and for yourself and I just I just don't know how I feel about it yet so it's been very insightful hearing all of your hot takes I love a hot take. You know I do. So on that note, thanks for coming on my pod. It's been lovely to talk to you. Um, is there anywhere people can find your journalism work or now that we hate on social media, find you on social media if they want to make meaningful connections with you? Yes, uh, you can find all of my journalism work <laughs> on um, trishrooneyportfolio.com. Um, if you are looking for anybody to do any freelance work or editing, please let me know. I have a very diverse skill set. And yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or whatever platform you listen on. We post new episodes every Wednesday. And remember to follow us on Instagram at Live From My Bedroom Pod. Signing off from my bedroom in Toronto. Have a good one. Thank you.